Hello, everyone. Welcome to one more podcast of the Athletic School. Uh, today, we have a tennis player here. Her name is Kennedy Schaefer. Um, he, she played in uh, tennis in University of Georgia, and now she's professional. Um, so thanks for being here with us, Kennedy. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Really happy to be a part of it. Yeah, and also we have Gustavo here that I don't want to hurt his feelings again and not introducing him. So yeah, welcome one more time, Gustavo. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So Kennedy, you had um, many achievements in college, playing in Georgia. You were All-American, uh, you were All-Conference many different times. So my first my first question for you is, were you always uh planning to play tennis was your dream to play tennis i think my family really um we were really raised upon the fact of being multi-sport athletes both my parents were very athletic and so we kind of grew up testing the waters with different sports i i played a lot my sisters all played a lot my parents were both athletically inclined my mom was a runner she could do what felt like anything. My dad played professional two-man beach volleyball and he played tennis and he played basketball and we all just kind of got tossed into different sports and we would we would test them out and see which one fit and I, I think we got away with being pretty decent at, at most of them simply because we, we were an athletic family and for me I didn't feel like I excelled at anything uh, except for tennis and I, I'm hesitant to say I even excelled at that age. I think more I just had fun with it and didn't feel like I was the worst. So instead of, you know, being average in one field, I wanted to try and be something a little more special than another. Mm -hmm. Do you think these or other sports kind of helped you to be better at tennis with different skills? A hundred percent. I stand by the concept that multi-talented athletes can, um, I don't want to say it's a, entirely an advantage, but I do believe that being able to participate and perform different actions and motions and movements in other sports can translate into any sport. I think it, it is a huge, huge benefit to, to, do, to have done all of that in my earlier years. Mm -hmm. So you were mentioning that you started performing good at tennis. Uh, but I mean, we gotta be honest. Uh, when, once you got in college, you you were all American, and like, uh, so we wanted to know what what made you become all American. What made you, you know, uh, become a professional uh, athlete at tennis? So like, was just talent? Was hard work? What do you think the skills were? I don't think I have ever been in my life one of those people that people just looked at and they were like oh my gosh she's a natural athlete you know there's always some of them you just look at and you can't help but marvel because they're just something different i'm very realistic about the fact that i don't think that's me um i'm not saying i'm not athletic obviously i wouldn't be able to do what i do if i wasn't at least somewhat athletic but uh i think i was always raised to do things the hard way like um we were never financially super wealthy so it was hard to get to tournaments and it was a privilege to go to tournaments and then to go play at college um i i was given a scholarship but i knew that you don't just get a spot you have to earn a spot and i know that that's common knowledge it's not a secret but you know being raised on the principle that you have to earn everything and nothing is handed to you uh it really did set me up i feel like for going into school so i would say a lot of it was you know, obviously some part of it is talent, but I would, I'd be hard pressed to say that 
the majority was was very much hard work. I put in a lot of time. I, I think when I finally decided, I was probably like 12 or 13 when I thought, oh my gosh, I want to play pro. Um, my path to college was, was all about how much can I maximize my time here and how can I get it translated into what I want to do in the future. So I, I was doing extra sessions of all this stuff. I mean, we, we did so much work there and I would, uh, I would most certainly say that it was just hours and hours and hours on court that goes to that. And then, uh, again, I, I've always felt like my mindset's a little bit different as well. Um, I'm very much a fan of like through struggle comes strength. And so every, every struggle was a test. And I feel like every time I passed a test, I was like, that's another block I can build on. So I would say it was the hard work and most certainly the mindset. Mm -hmm. Oh, we, we love that. Yeah. We love that. I think <laughs> it's uh, a struggle is everything, you know, of course, it's hard to say that we like it, but we started to, to see that in a, in a different way. Um, and kind of these little successes that she mentioned, like during the day, like it's hard, but I, I'm going to do some more reps. I'm going to stay longer 30 minutes. And that kind of builds you like kind of sense that you are earning something. That's very percent. If I can sit at the end of the day and check three, three boxes, I, I'm, I'm here in Charleston training now where I play professionally and there is one of many, many good coaches. And he says, I want you to at least check two of these three boxes off every day you walk out. Did you improve mentally, emotionally, physically? There are three boxes to check. If you don't check one complete waste of your day. You've not improved anything. And it's very, very hard to walk off and say, I didn't mentally get better today. Or I didn't, you know, on the physical aspect, maybe I executed better today. Maybe I was just two of the three, not always three of the three. Let's be realistic. It's very hard to walk off and say, I had a hundred day. Like I checked all three boxes, but if you can check two of those boxes, you've gotten better. And so I'm, I'm a really big proponent of that. I, if I can check boxes off, I look at that and I'm like, you know what? I did the work today. I did the work yesterday because I checked two boxes. I did it the day before because I checked three. Is there the occasional day where I only checked one and it was kind of a waste of time? I'd be... I mean, I'm human. I'm sure everyone has had that day where they just like, I was not there mentally. I was not there physically. I can't think I, I don't think I was very mature emotionally. And those are the days you look at and you're like, wow, I got to get better. And that's when I feel like spurs even more improvement and development. Yeah, I think we're gonna steal that, that idea to make a post for the athletic school because <laughs> I really like that. And I think it helps. Isn't it cool? Yeah, yeah it helps sure. a lot for, for you to like, uh, Yesterday we had a game here um, and we lost with like uh, 13 seconds left, you know, and like uh, it's it's a good way to check out those boxes, you know, and maybe think, okay, maybe emotionally, you know, it's helpful for me emotionally because of course, technically it was uh, terrible because we couldn't win, we couldn't get the result that we wanted to, but I mean, I think there's always something that we can we can take out of that and, and improve. In this fairness with your own work, like you are evaluating yourself right after the practice and you can see right away that you didn't achieve or you achieve everything that you want and that's really cool to improve in the, the other day. Absolutely, because it's hard to, as athletes, what we're perfectionists, we want to be perfect all the time. We want to say that we did everything right. And as you said, it's very hard to be objective and say, okay, I lost, but I did this and I did this well. So my, my theory on this and what this, 
this coach has given me is that no matter how upset I am, I'd like to think I can walk off and say, okay, did I play good today? No. So physically, maybe I didn't execute it. Okay. Was I trying my hardest? Was I mentally giving it everything? I can check that box. Was I emotionally putting myself in the best position to do so? Yes. So two out of three boxes is technically a success. And it's kind of interesting when you start to look at losses as successes. Um, it's nothing revolutionary, but then you don't really feel like you failed so bad because you did things the right way. Because again, two out of three is doing things the right way. One out of three, not so much. Zero out of three, not really. But two out of three is still a win. It's still something learned and it's still something earned. Uh, and still talking a little bit about struggles, uh, besides injuries that I know you had one um, recently, so what kind of struggles you had in your career that uh, you, you, you can say that was one of the hardest ones? Oh, gosh. So I'm unfortunately one of those people who has uh, who's had a tough road with injuries. I'm I had a wrist right wrist surgery back in 2019, and then I just had right elbow surgery in June of this year. And, and uh, gosh, obviously very tough to come back from. But if I'm not looking at injuries, if I take injuries out of the equation, I would say the hardest struggle um, has been financially. These tennis is not a very cheap sport, unfortunately. I love that I picked one of the very, very wealthy sports from a family that's not very, very wealthy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's uh, it's really, this one I think I've struggled with the most outside of my body falling apart on me occasionally in the sense that like, it has affected my mindset. So when I play, I'm putting pressure on myself because I'm thinking if I don't win this match, oh, then how am I going to pay for this? Or if I don't, you know, do this, then I've not been able to pay off the money I put on my credit card for this tournament. And then it starts to warp the way you compete. And it shouldn't. And it's easy from the outside not competing at this moment to say, gosh, it's so silly when I do that. But there's just nothing that compares to, oh my gosh, if I don't win this match, I'm sleeping in my car tonight, which I have done before. Like, it's not a good feeling. Um, and it did change what it what felt like, you know, the stakes felt 10 times higher, obviously. So outside of, outside of that, the biggest trouble would be financial struggles. And I, I'm an American tennis player and they're, you know, I, I'm struggling obviously through this to find what makes me special because everybody has that something, but there are a lot of very, very, very good American tennis players that played at a good college like myself, that were all American like myself, that want to play pro like myself, but have more re more resources than myself. So what makes me different? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not trying to be pessimistic about it, but like, it's up to me to find, okay, I don't have this and they do. I don't, but, but I have this, I have this heart and I have these struggles and I have this chip on my shoulder because not, not that I frown on it, but like, Mommy and daddy couldn't give me everything I wanted. And, and that's totally fine. That's not, even if your parents could, that's so not a dig. You know what I mean? But I, we never got handed things. And so because of that, I, I really, every opportunity that came, I feel like I've always been very aware of how blessed I am about it. I've been able to train at places for free because I've worked so hard for it and I've been so grateful. And uh, there have been things like that along my way that have just been absolute blessings. Otherwise, my career probably would have ended a long time ago. I have uh, 
thrived off the generosity of others who have been in a position to do more. And um, because of them, I, I still get to do what I love. So without that help, I'm not too big to admit I would have stopped a long time ago. Yeah, it's very, very interesting that she mentioned like the financial side because it's a big thing. We, we face that sometimes because you are international and it's something that in college, sometimes you don't see people talking about, especially college students. They don't face this problem because it's the scholarship, it's the money from their parents and stuff. But it's something that you got to keep in mind and it's it's very hard, especially in the, the professional routine. And you made me remember one Brazilian philosopher that he says, do the best you can with the resources you have until you have better resources to do even better. And it's, it's like, it fits perfectly what with what you said. You have your heart, you have all the efforts that you put in. Maybe you don't have all the resources, but I'm, I'm confident that someday you're going to have more resources to do even better. And I'm a firm believer of this. Now, this one is a little warped. I have a self-deprecating tendency, so I can't tell how much like I'm telling myself this is beneficial or if this is truly just beneficial. I lost so much when I was a junior, like so much. I lost all the time that I feel like I started to learn how to lose. I was never one of those junior superstars that got tasked with losing later where all they knew how to do was win at one point they won everything and then it was like you step up to play pros or in college and everyone is so good and you can lose at any time and then it's it's hard to be like oh my, i'm losing why am i losing now i would lose and i'd be like ha i can only go up all i've done is lost this is nothing new and i actually do feel like that is another one of those like intangible benefits i had i learned to lose a long time ago i learned to stop letting losses dictate my career sure they hurt don't get me wrong i'm still very uh i don't take them very lightly but i i got used to it it's not something that roadblocks me for a long time because i lost enough as a kid to learn what to do with a loss how to make it into a win so i will add that into my intang intangible resources that uh, i think has made a big difference no and yeah i i love that what you said um I think financially it's it's so hard and it's so uh, it's hard to talk about it because everyone is different, you know. But I feel like uh, it makes you and everyone just uh, even bigger as an athlete, as a human being, you know, to go through all all of that and still get the results that that you get, you know. And, and yeah. the quote that Gustavo said is just is just perfect, you know, because you are literally using whatever resources you have and you are getting the best you know maybe i mean it's hard to to say you know but like maybe serena williams she wouldn't she wouldn't be able to to do the same you know if she she had the same resources that you had you know it, so, you gotta wonder sometimes you know like if if i had more of a silver spoon gosh would i be gritty would i be tenacious or you know would i be farther along mm -hmm. i have no idea it's it's impossible to say, and sometimes it is a thought that does keep you up a little bit. Again, I'd be lying if I said I, I didn't like, dang, if I didn't have more money, maybe I would be farther because that thought of, gosh, if I don't win, I, when do I get to compete again? It's not really a positive one. It's tough to manage, but it's I can't say that it's not why I haven't done better. That wouldn't be fair. There are obviously other things, but it, it is an interesting theory to think about. How much would that affect an athlete's path? and how much uh, how much would be different 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, so we were talking, you mentioned also about injuries that you had a bunch. So I, I wanna, I wanted to know how, how you deal with these injuries. I know in 2019, you had an injury in the beginning of the year. And then by the end of the year, you, you won a tournament. You know? So what was going through your mind? Uh, what do you think made you uh, have the wonderful comeback to, to win a tournament right after a surgery? I can tell you it was a, it was a bit of a dark time, especially at the start. Um, the thing about tennis that I appreciate now more than before is that it is a bit of an aging sport. You can see people doing better at later ages now, which is great because if you're not a 22-year-old superstar, you're like, oh my gosh, my career is not over. Now, on the flip side of that, if you're still middle of the pack at, you know, 27, you're like, ugh, it's getting tougher. So at 20, well, gosh, that was two years ago. So at 22, I'd be lying if I said part of me wasn't thinking if I have this surgery, is my career going to be over? Uh, Simply, well, for multiple reasons, I should say, because number one, your wrist is so important in tennis, and it was my right wrist. It would have been my first big surgery, and I had very much been raised on the concept of, um, as I feel like as many of us are, suck it up. It's a college mindset. It's a, it's sometimes a family mindset. It's sometimes a mix of both, right? Like suck it up. You're fine. Everybody plays with pain. So I went about six ish months playing on my bad wrist and not having good results and wondering, you know, Hey, why am I losing so much? Why am I in pain so much? I don't even want to practice right now. So then there was uh, that, that, weird split feeling of post-surgery oh my gosh I'm not going to be in pain this is super exciting and then the other 50% would have been what if I just made the worst decision ever and I can never play tennis again you know very over dramatic it just so happens when you are trying to come back from something like that um so there there was a lot of worry that it wasn't going to ever be the same and I two years later I still don't know that it is the same I don't think it you know, it's nothing that's holding me back by any means, but uh, I don't know how much it ever, ever the same it will be. I just, I think I just, I'm a stubborn person by nature. Um, I kept trying to tell myself that if it didn't work out, that's fine. It didn't work out, but I exhausted literally every resource I had. I, I waited, I did cortisone injections, I did PT, I mean, I did it all. I made the only choice that remained if I wanted to, and it was even like a functioning level. So like I couldn't even function well, like in everyday life, opening jars and doing this and that. So at that point, it's like, okay, it's not just tennis. Like I can't stand up and push off anything with my hand. So I did it. First couple of days back from a surgery, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm like, I've been waiting for this. And like two weeks after I'm like, oh my gosh, it's going to be a really long process. It kind of suck right now. And I feel like you get really excited thinking this, maybe I'm not going to suck when I come back at least like maybe, maybe it won't be so bad. And then you suck for a while. Like I'm not trying to be negative, but it, I had the same exact experience with this surgery. Like first couple of days, you're so excited. Everything's great. And then I sucked for like a whole month and a half. And so I was like, knew this was going to happen. I shouldn't be surprised. But uh, ultimately, again, I said I'm a stubborn person. I think I just love what I do too much. I just simply tried to focus on the fact that I get to play a sport 
for a living. My job is to literally compete. I mean, I, I just, that is so crazy to me. How many people get to say that? I, I'm not made to sit at a desk, at least not yet. I'm super ADHD too. So that's the last thing I want to do. As long as I can play a sport, I want to play a sport. So I just try to focus on the fact that I love what I do. And I, I know that that sounds very simple. And uh, as I said, there were a lot of dark feelings too. It would it would be a conversation for another time about how terrible some days felt. Um, because when you love something so much and you can't do it, the ability you want to do it, it's very painful. As athletes, you guys know, like I don't have to tell you what it feels like to be sidelined when you know you could be doing great things or doing better. And so I just loved, like I said, love what I do. Time kept passing. I just, I had very good support system with a coach back in Ohio who's still a coach, still part of my family. Um, she's been with me for more years than I can count. And she just kept saying, do the work, just do the work one day at a time, build the brick, build the brick. Eventually you're going to have a wall and that's, that's your foundation. You know, I, I laid my foundation every day and I admittedly thought I would never win close matches again for a while. So when that tournament came, um, that tournament at the end of 2019, I went into it with the strangest feeling of like, I'm going to win the tournament, which I don't ever feel. I don't know why I felt it. I think something just clicked. It was the timing of, I loved the surface. I, I had been putting in some good work. Things just kind of added up. And then the feeling of actually winning was just like, I just specifically remember being on the vomit. Like that was the only feeling that I can recall because I, I felt so sick to my stomach after the nerves. It was just such a roller coaster of emotions, and all I could remember thinking was, "I want to throw up." So that was not the direction I was expecting it to go. But once it was done, I, I couldn't wait for it to be done. I said, "I need to get away from the court. I need to go. I need to just step away." I just was very, very. Over, like my sensories were completely overloaded then. <laughs> it was a, yeah, it was, it was a lot. Right, I imagine. Um, and I, you, you mentioned about loving this part being simple. And, and I think it is simple, but it's also always complex, you know, because we always think about stop playing because you're not making money or you're not doing good or maybe you should get a job somewhere else, you know? Um, but it, because you love is so hard to decide, you know? Um, but I, I like uh, how you you made the, your love for the sports drive you to, to get where, where you were, where you are right now, how you we won the tournament, you know? So I think that's, that's awesome because um, yo, we all love what we do and it's so hard to to keep going but at the same time it's so exciting to to struggle to lose and then come back and come back stronger you know? so yeah i, oh, I really like that um, yeah it, it it's it's a privilege plain and simple it's a privilege it is yeah especially nowadays sometimes we forget like a lot of people in other countries cannot play because of the covid or everything and we have opportunity to play the sport that we love and sometimes you complain about small things that we should not be complaining and we are having like this great opportunity to do what we love. Yeah. No, I, Absolutely. yeah, 100%. Um, so you're mentioning, uh, I mean, I know that you have a pretty busy schedule because you would do so many stuff. And so I'm just curious to know how your daily life, uh, what, what do you do during the week and stuff like that? Because um, 
I we don't know a lot about tennis, so I wanted to know like how your training sessions work. Do you train with uh, other players? Do you train by yourself? Uh, you gotta go to work, uh, and now I know you are preparing yourself for for a tournament. So how how does that change in your your schedule on a daily basis and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So I am currently based in Charleston, South Carolina, and again I'm getting by. On the generosity of others, I get to train at a lovely place and stay with some lovely families. And so I've had a great, great time with that. I'll preface it by saying once again that people giving back to me is brings me obvious joy because I get to do what I love and then uh, in turn one day hope to be able to repay the favor. So I, I train with a group of other girls that kind of, we all kind of rove. We're all going to different places and doing different things right now. Like. There's um, one of our girls, she played at Georgia with me on the team for a year. She's in South America. We've got um, another of our players in Cancun right now, another one in Germany, another one in um, California at the moment. So we're all in different, uh, different tournament schedules. Mine is a little bit different than theirs simply because I had my elbow surgery in June. And so I'm waiting to get back into like, a, I'm taking a little bit more time to come back. So if I rush, you know, I'll lose the whole rest of my year if I blow up my elbow by doing too much too soon. So um, on a daily basis, if everyone's here and we don't have a tournament, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays are usually our long days. We'll do an hour of fitness in the morning, go into like an hour and a half of practice, hour and a half, two hours, depending on what we work on, a break, and then another hour and a half, two hours. Um, if you have a tournament, sometimes those days are a little bit shorter. Uh, some days, sometimes those days we'll do match play where we just Literally, it's just what it sounds like. We'll play a match, um, get some practice sets in. And then Tuesday, Thursday, we usually kind of um, offset that. So we'll just go one longer practice, two and, a, two and a half, two, two and a half hours. So that way on our Tuesday, Thursday, we have more time to recover from our long Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. That's, you know, we go up on those days and then we take a little bit more time to, to rest and recover. So outside of that, I actually work a little bit of a job on the side. So I just love where I'm at so much that I can't bear to be separated. And I actually work the desk at our tennis clubhouse and I hang out with all the kids there and just kind of stick around. I think sometimes since I'm not in college anymore, I get a little bit bored. And so if I sit too much in the house and, you know, think and do nothing, like, like I love my existence being tennis. Don't get me wrong. I'm a giant tennis nerd, but uh, I think sometimes it's too easy to get too um internal and you know sit by yourself and and like you need space and you need people to help you get away from it so when i work the desk i like i said i talk to all the kids i talk to the adults that come through and try to give myself some distance but also like not exactly because i never get away from tennis i just cannot bear to be separated so like with the tournament coming up last week i kept it a little lighter with my training hours but um as a whole, gosh, let's see. I mean, at least two hours a day. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's on the low side. That's like if you're hurting, you know, or right. something, something is off and you're tired, you know, it happens. But uh, we very much have our own flexibility, which I like because some days I think mentally you you improve more and maybe you don't need as much time on court. Like when you're you're fighting an internal battle and then other days you need to put in lots of reps. I think. The good thing about tennis and, and pretty much all sports is that you can 
decide for yourself and and you have a group of people at least i do very good friends that su we support each other in our decisions to do that so i just get to you know brag again i really like where i'm at and i really like the people i train with <laughs> good good and do you feel like uh uh do you need sometimes a free time out of tennis like do you what do you do on your free time if you have a free time because you know because um the other day i was watching uh cristiano ronaldo the soccer player movie and he was mentioning like when he gets home he doesn't want to watch soccer he doesn't want to he just wants to be with her, his kids you know and stuff like that so like do you feel like that as well or you are more into the sport I think I go through phases, to be honest. I think I um, I just love tennis as a whole. So I will always watch tennis. I will always, I mean, my Instagram feed is 75% tennis simply because my friends are, I'd say 95% of my friends are from tennis. So I personally don't ever really get away from it, but I do believe it is sometimes to a detriment. Um, I think like Cristiano said, like you need to just separate and uh something i feel like i've always struggled with over the years is like finding my identity outside of a tennis player you know i think as college athletes we learn that so much of who we are depends on what we do related to our sport like it was always kennedy schaefer a tennis player it wasn't kennedy schaefer someone who plays tennis you know what i mean so like i think sometimes it's it's hard for me to see the difference between the two and so I try to every, remind myself every once in a while, okay, you don't need to watch tennis. You don't need to be following everything. Like, I love to read. I'm always reading in my free time, what little free time there is, like you said. Um, so I try to like keep that like completely unrelated, like very light stuff, very, um, very different, very not tennis, not sports related, <clears throat> excuse me, whatsoever. So I typically go through phases um, as I said, where I do need to step away, but for the most part, I find myself terribly involved all the time, all the time. I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Yeah. No, I mean, it's the same. Even when you don't want to, you just like yesterday after the game, I didn't want to talk about soccer, but w once I open my Instagram page, the first thing that shows up is soccer. Like, yeah. uh, right now we had a meeting and between between the, the podcast and the meeting, I was watching my friends playing volleyball as well. So it's like, it's not even that you want to do that, but it's just right there. And like, if you, if you don't follow, the sport's gonna follow you anyway. So yeah. Uh -huh. you, you mentioned uh, about reading. Uh, what do you like to, to read? Uh, you mentioned, I, I feel like it's more like a hobby for you, but like, do you feel like it helps you at all in sports? I do. I'm really, truly um, a big, big, big advocate of reading. I I like the fact that I get to be somewhere else when I, when I do read. And I think um, being able to put myself in a different situation and, and tune out other distractions and simply focus on like what is occurring in the pages and what my, what my eyes are seeing and how it makes me feel and processing it in a nice controlled environment, I do think it helps translate into tennis because tennis um, is very high paced. Everything's happening so fast and you don't really have time to process it. So I feel like it's one of those things where if I can process 
slowly and in a controlled environment where I'm not overwhelmed. Once I lay a good base foundation for that, maybe it will make processing things in a high speed environment easier. Now that is not scientifically founded at all what I just said. And I am sure there's, it's not correct, but it, because it's literally as simple as reading a book like that's, but I'm a big believer in like how calm it makes me feel and how I can just separate and detach from where I am and what I'm doing and focus on something else. And, and as I said, I try to keep it away from anything sports related, unless it's like a biography of an athlete I love or something like that. Um, other than that, I, I try to let it be my escape. I'm not a big TV person. So if I'm going to, some, some type of entertainment, I, I will definitely go the book route. Mm -hmm. So I love reading. I will always press reading on people. Nice. Like, I, I, feel, I feel like reading is so underrated, underrated you know, because like uh, people don't know take serious, but you can you can learn so much. And like uh, for, for me, I feel like a little bit different from you, what you said about reading, but like uh, it makes you feel in a way that it helps you, you know, that I like reading about personal development, you know, and like uh, you, you like uh, reading more about stories and stuff like that and it still helps you. So I feel like uh, any type of reading, it's helpful. So yeah, I, I really like that. Gustavo doesn't really like to read. No, I, I do, I do. I do like to read. I just, I'm, uh, I don't read very fast, and then he kind of makes fun of me, but it's fine. <laughs> I read every day, though. <laughs> well, oh, anyways, um, I just have one more question. It's, it's not in the question that I sent you, but like kind of a takeaway from this conversation. I noticed that you kind of have a sense of self-evaluation that is very good and it's very different from other people. Do you think that's kind of your own thing or you you learn through life with like your coaches and and other people that they taught you how to be like this? I think I've always been very self-aware. Um, I think at first, and I, I'm very open about this, I'm a very big advocate of mental health and like speaking with someone and working with someone or else I believe I'd drive myself crazy because I do have a lot going on up here. I'm a very... Um, constant person and I'm very nitpicky with myself so I think at first what was a terribly destructive habit to, to tear myself apart and be like you didn't do this you didn't do this you don't do this right you never do this right I, I went to therapy for a long time and I'm not perfect at it but I, I think something I really really learned from working with them and from working with with my great my coach um, was how to turn that I would say part of it was how to turn it into something positive. It was always my instinct to to be aware of what I was. I was very good at saying, I'm feeling this right now. I'm feeling this right now. I know when I do this, I know like what my, I know what my character flaws are. I don't always control them well, but I can tell you, I'm very self-aware about how I handle, you know, when, when X, Y, Z happens. Um, so I spent a lot of time at just trying to make it uh, a, a positive habit. If it was going to happen, which it obviously was, I wasn't good at controlling it. I was going to find a way to make it, you know, beneficial. And I think I learned that A, through a little bit of intuition, B, through a good therapist who just taught me how to spin things. Um, you know, there's two ways to say the same thing. Like, I'm trying to give you a good example. And I had a coach, um, Yvonne Lendl. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. But he's a Grand Slam champion. Him and my therapist, they both said it in different terms. But Yvonne said... You know, you can tell yourself the same thing in two ways. Don't one would be don't miss the ball in the net, and two would be aim higher. Okay, so 
we just took that concept and kept trying to spin it. So if I would say, you know, don't do this, Kennedy, I would phrase it differently. You know, I, I, so I started to work on that a lot and I had very, very positive people in my life who helped me encourage that. So we just, as I said, kind of made it like a Kennedy 2.0. If I was already going to be destructive, I was going to be positive about how I was destructive, if that makes any sense at all. Oh, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it, sometimes it's just the way you see. And I think that's very interesting because sometimes you don't know what is going wrong. We don't know how to fix and kind of have this sense of self-awareness, like kind of understanding, even though you cannot control sometimes, but understanding that, oh, I'm doing this because this is happening. So I know and I can accept that and then try to move forward. Absolutely. A hundred percent. It's, it's not something I feel like I've mastered by any means, but I can feel when I start to spin out myself, like when my, when my internal head is taking a sharp right turn in a direction it doesn't want to be. And I typically know what I need to do to get it back. Now where I don't always succeed is getting it back. But for me, a big step was realizing, like you said, realizing what was happening and, and coming to terms with how I could fix it in time and being patient with myself on that journey because as my instinct is to be critical, I'm trying to rewire a habit that I had for so long. So it's never gonna happen overnight. And I, I really, the hardest part is to be patient with myself. I'm like I said, I'm a perfectionist. I'm like instant gratification. I want it done now and I want it done the right way. So this is, you know, a, this is the journey that I feel like for me, even in my life after sports, I will be on for a very long time. Yeah, cool. Um, well, just to kind of wrap it up, we have our, our last question that we always like to ask at the end for all our guest speakers is how you define success. It's so interesting. You really can look at it so many different types of ways. Yeah. I think one thing, it's not exactly sports related, but the one thing I really like to think about when I think of success is like when I lay in bed at night, am I at peace with the person that I am? Like truly, am I at peace with how I treated others? You know, like, did I go, did, did I do my best today type of thing? Truly. Like, I know we talked about tick, like checking off the boxes, but if like, I am the type of person that if I do something kind of wrong it, it the guilt eats me alive even if it was unintentional like it destroys me um so i i like to judge my success by like can i can i make peace with who i am did i go about things the right way today did i intentionally um did i do everything with intent and with love and with passion and with with good uh, with with good intentions in my heart and I know that that's not sports related. And obviously I could give you a different sports related answer. But as I said, I'm trying to work on separating my identity as a person from my identity as an athlete. And if I like the person I am, then if I don't succeed and I'm not the athlete I want to be, I'm at least the person I want to be. And my life outside of tennis is going to be far longer than my life as a tennis player. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. And I, I actually think that that's far related because yeah. like, uh, you can you can use that in you know like you can get out of practice and think did I at least give my best you know did I give everything that I had you know and that also goes to any any other areas in, in your life you know and I 
I really, I agree with you 100%. I think that that's why we ask, because we want to know what other people have to say about success, because we, we don't know what success is. So <laughs> wanna, I don't think anyone really yeah. hard to say. It's different for everybody, like you said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, Kennedy, thanks so much for, for being part of the athletic school. Uh, we wish you a good luck in your next tournament. And yeah, thanks for for taking the time. Uh, I know you have a pretty busy schedule, but thanks for finding a late night on Sunday to talk with us, but we really appreciate that. More than happy to do it. Thanks for having me, guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was very nice to meet you and good luck in your tournament. Thank you.